Hey, this is Josh Gates from Discovery's Expedition Unknown and Josh Gates Tonight, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. It's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse. Welcome back <laughs> to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Josh Gates, isn't it? It is. And uh, this was you and Jeff, right? It was Jeff and I. And then Jeff left uh, after a little bit because he, he um, well, he had to go. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> and But you'll see Josh and I on video together. And uh, it was a hoot. That guy is so fun and he's so nice and he's the consummate professional i'm kidding he's he's a total <laughs> he's a he's a total he's a badass i mean that's really what it is he is a badass and you see the things that he does on tv and the things that he's got to do and the traveling and all the stuff and you know i'm going to give a spoiler away i do ask him what is the place that he thinks everybody in america should probably go to check out he said go to machu picchu it's so close you go to cancun you 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 rent a car and you drive over to it and it's one of the wonders of the world and it's right there for everybody to go check out. Nice. So there you go. There you go. And he just talked about all his stuff that he has going on. Um, it was a real pleasure talking to this guy. That sounds like it, man. I, I know when you guys were doing the interview, you guys were just lighting up the chat room talking to saying all these good things. So, yeah, well, all I know is discovery channel really hooked us up. We really appreciate those guys uh, allowing us to have some time with Josh. Um, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Well, you can thank him by playing the episode. <laughs> Let's listen <laughs> to Josh Gates in his own words. All right, guys, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I really appreciate you stopping by today. Today's show, uh, something super special, something we don't get a lot of, and I'm excited because every time we scroll through that TV and we see one of his plethora of shows, it's a stop. It's, it's a hard stop. And so it's awesome to have you on. He's swam with sharks. He's hunted Bigfoot and ghosts. And his expedition takes us into the unknown. Josh Gates, thanks for stopping by Spoiler Country, man. Hey, happy to be here. Always happy to make a stop in spoiler country. What's going on? <laughs> Not much. Just living my best life in this COVID world. It's kind of weird. That's what you got to do every day. Yeah. How's going on? What's going on new with you? You got Josh Gates tonight going strong? Yeah, I've gone from, from being a globe-trotting adventurer to a studio-trotting talk show host. 
You know what? It's amazing, actually. I look, I love to travel. I miss being out on the road uh, a lot, but I'm making this talk show that we do. It airs every Wednesday night, and, and it's been such a blast, you know, getting to talk to all these interesting people from all different arenas, you know, both travel adventure people, but also lots of celebrities, actors. It's been really fun. I mean, I just, I'm loving it. Is it a, it's a, it's, it's quite a different pace for you though. It is a different pace. Luckily, I'm basically trying to make the talk show with almost no support. So it's still super stressful and difficult. Um, It's still a race to the finish line every week, but now I'm just not covered in mud and feces. (laughs) That's well, not usually. He's always usually. a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, uh, is this going to carry over, you think, when, once uh, in the post COVID world? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I know that I look, I think the network, you know, Discovery obviously is a real home for adventure programming, outdoor based programming. So I know that when the smoke clears, they're certainly going to want me to go back out into the world adventuring again. I want to do that too. But I think we've kind of built something really nice here with the talk show. We're having such a nice time doing it. And I think most importantly, people seem to really be enjoying it. We're getting a lot of nice feedback from people. So I'd love to find a way to do both. I don't, I would need to clone myself, I think, in order to really do both. But I don't know, maybe, maybe we figure it out. I hope we can figure it out. I love making the talk show. It's fun. Well, are you shooting out of your house? I was. So the first, we, we did three episodes as like a tester in the beginning that were 10 minutes long each. I think that was the level of confidence. It was like, Josh, just do 10 minutes. See if that's possible. Give us your best Johnny Carson for 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, and then we started making them from my house for about, I don't know, like 10 weeks or something. And then it was like, okay, we got to go back into the studio to do this. Even if I'm doing it alone, I was making it out of this spare bedroom in my house with like an Ikea bookcase behind me. It was so tight. I had two little kids at home. It was madness. So now I'm back um, in in a studio at least. And it's still, I don't really have a staff. I'm literally sitting here alone in this big, you know, sanctum sanctorum, but, but at least I got some room to move and my kids aren't like stealing the camera batteries. Yeah. That's always a good thing. Yeah. They get their Xbox going. They have to. That's right. (laughs) Jeff, I know you have some questions for Josh. You want to take it away? Yeah. One, first off, me and my wife are huge fans of yours. Oh, thanks. My wife's name is Joey Lynn, so she definitely would want me to say hi for her. So hi from Joey Lynn. Hi, Joey Lynn. (laughs) Yeah. So we love Expedition Unknown. We watch it all the time. And I always wondered, first, how are you choosing your locations? And before you choose your location, how much research is going into that decision? And then once you make that decision, how much uh, do you have a team of people doing research for you? Great question. Big question. So it's kind of like to give you a snapshot of the whole world of it. I think the easy part is the first part of it, right? So we choose the locations based on whether there's something interesting and current happening there that kind of fits in with a legend, a mystery, an archaeological discovery, right? So like, we're probably not going to go do a show on dragons if somebody hasn't found a giant dragon tooth somewhere in the world, right? So (laughs) myth, just straight myth is probably not active enough for the show. Like we want to go to places where people are doing real work. And we want to balance out to have a season of shows where we have real archaeological stories, where we're going to dig sites and we're really digging into historic stuff. We want some of those fun treasure hunt shows. You know, there's so many great buried treasure stories, some of which are apocryphal, I'm sure, some of which are are probably based on a kernel of truth and some of which are true. So we want to kind of mix the season up with all manner of show. So that's what we look for first. What's in the news? What's current? What's happening? Then... We have to pass the big hurdle, which is 
can we get access to this place and to the people that are at the center of the story? You know, there are amazing excavations going on around the world, but you have to really ingratiate yourself with the people doing the work. You can't just show up and say, okay, I'm here at Pompeii, you know, give me the run of the place, right? So we have to make those relationships and, and see if we can, you know, find a way to work with those folks. And then, yeah, there's this long kind of, I don't know, probably we typically do a couple of months in the office before we go out to start making shows. It's usually about an eight-week ramp up to begin production. And then it's kind of a, it goes on all year. Like while we're shooting a show, there's a team back in the office working on future shows, you know. We typically do two to three expeditions at a time. So I'll go out for two shows or three shows. Then we'll come back. We'll kind of reset a little bit and go back out again if we can work it out that way in the calendar. And so, and then there's months and months of editing. I mean, there's a, it's funny, you watch this thing on TV and it's, you know, it's an hour. It, it, that represents, you know, the better part of a year of work to get this whole collection of episodes this season up on its feet. That's crazy. Yeah. Now, when you're going to a location, do you have a set time that you're staying? Or if it's a really interesting location, do you think you're about to find the thing? Do you ex- can you extend it or do you really tight on time? Usually tight on time, but you can if something extraordinary. I mean, look, it's like the whole thing is a big machine, right? So it's like this is the sort of TV of it all, you know, and you sort of pull back the curtain behind like what's really going on here is like, yeah, there is, there are editors sitting in edit bays waiting for footage. There are uh, producers, there's segment producers, story producers, field producers, advanced producers. I sometimes have to travel somebody ahead of us, even just to deal with cars and hotels and where are we getting a generator from? And because you don't want to waste the precious time you have running around looking for a Jenny, right? So there's a big machine that has to get coordinated. So we might say, okay, we're flying to England to do this thing on Stonehenge. And then we're going from there to Germany to do this thing on a Nazi treasure. And then we're going from Germany to, to Romania to do a third thing. Well, all those, those second and third episodes, those are in place. Those are, we've got people on the ground working on those. So if something extraordinary happens in the first place, it comes at an enormous cost to say, well, we want to spend an extra, even a day, you know, because you're talking about flights too, and cars and hotels and all that stuff. So, but if it's something really extraordinary, maybe that's worth it, you know, but everything is like, you know, I used to get that question a lot on Destination Truth. It's like, well, why didn't you stay longer? You know, why didn't you spend a week out in the jungle of whatever? And the kind of, I guess, not fun answer is because it's not really my dime, right? Like I'm making the show, I was making that show at the behest of sci-fi and I have to make X amount of shows a year and we got to move on, you know? So yeah, you, you are on kind of a production schedule and we try ahead of time to say, okay, what's the right amount of time to spend in this place? You know, not every show involves trying to dig up the treasures of the underworld, right? So in some of these shows, you go, you know what, we could make this show in X amount of days, and we'd probably be safe doing it in that amount of time. You know, yeah. other shows, you kind of go, I want to spend a month here. <laughs> well, it's not that much fun. Well, one thing interesting about your shows that I do love is that you do mention often that you have claustrophobia. So how do you always end up in a tunnel and a cavern? Are you thinking ahead of time, like maybe I don't want to go there because I don't want to go into that tunnel or you just, it just happens organically. I think I've kind of, I don't know when I said that, but I think I've kind of gotten over whatever claustrophobia that I had. I mean, I'm a big guy, so I'm always squeezing into something like getting into a midsize car is claustrophobic for me. Right. So I don't know, like I'm more queasy about heights then I am tight spaces. But even that over time is like kind of gets knocked out of your system. I mean, it, desensitizing is a thing. If you squeeze into tight 
ooky places enough, it just kind of becomes second nature. That sounded dirtier than I meant it. But <laughs> but it's the same thing with heights. Like I don't mind planes, I don't mind tall buildings, but rappelling and hanging off of cliffs and stuff. I used to be real, you know, wobbly need about that stuff when I first started. Now it's like, okay, clip me in, here we go. You just kind of get used to it. It's like anything else, right? It's learning anything. You kind of the more you do it, the more comfortable you are. It's only when I watch it later that I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's like when my mom calls me to yell at me about the show. I'm like, yeah, no, that's true. That was crazy. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like maybe swimming with whale sharks? Swimming with whale sharks, I have no regrets. That was amazing. For, for Shark Week, we went to the Georgia Aquarium and yeah. swam with whale sharks in their Ocean Voyager tank. I'd never swam with it. It was on my bucket list for a long time to swim with them in the wild. You have to be in the right place at the right time. It never happened for me. So to be able to go into a controlled environment with them, I mean, they are like the size of a school bus, you know? Yeah. But they're so gentle and they kind of don't move out of their patterns very much. So as long as you're not in the way of the bus, it just kind of keeps going around and around, you know? Wow. How small did you feel next to them? Tiny, which is a feat. For me to feel small anywhere, something has to be really big. <laughs> so when you think about what's going on in the world today with COVID and everything, and you are, when people think travel, they think uh, exotic destinations, you're one of the people that comes up, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think traveling is going to be like later on when hopefully either a vaccine has happened or it runs its course and we're able to, to yeah. come back to somewhat of a normal normalcy? Well, it's a mystery, right? Like everything yeah. to do with the trajectory of this virus, it's a mystery. I mean, you could kind of look at different models, right? I mean, first of all, let's talk about where we are. Like the travel industry is just decimated right now. You yeah. know, airlines are decimated, hotels Places that are normally just packed with tourists for the summer season are ghost towns. You know, these European cities that are usually just packed to the rafters with tourists doing summer tours of Europe are like, you know, empty streets. Yeah. So a lot of people who and you think about people talk about the travel industry and the tourism industry. It's kind of like one of those ripple effects. I mean, who isn't kind of in the tourism industry in one way or another? If you own a restaurant, a bar, if you sell something. If you have any storefront shop, you depend yeah. on people passing by, right? So it's been really bad, I think. No surprise. Cruises decimated. You look at all these ships that are just parked, you know, planes that are parked. So it's bad. It's got to get better. You know, it, okay, if there's a miracle vaccine, right? If, right? if suddenly there's this vaccine that emerges with incredibly high effectiveness, then I think the, I mean, obviously the floodgates are going to open. People are, have been cooped up. They want to get out. I think people though also have suffered a lot economically. And so I don't know that you're going to see this immediate return to, oh, here's what it was pre-pandemic. Because I think a lot of folks are like, hold on, like I've lost a lot of work. I'm not paying for this big trip that I was going to do. Right. But those kind of like, but like the Disneyland's, the Disney World's, the bargain cruises, the spring break destinations, those places are going to be slammed, I think, because everyone is going to rush back to that stuff. They already are, right? I mean, like, there is a kind of COVID fatigue setting in, you know, where people are, even the people, to not make it divisive at all, even the people who are really understand how dangerous it is, are struggling, especially if they have kids, if they have teenagers, just struggling to stay put, you know? Yeah. So it's going to come back, no question. But I do also think that I'm an optimist, so I also do think that even if there isn't a miracle vaccine... I do think that people are now finding new ways to travel 
locally. Road tripping is now like a big thing. People are figuring out how to have these more local adventures. I think we're seeing a lot more of that, and hopefully we see even more of that. I think in the end of all this, national parks and kind of more local destinations might see a real uptick as people have kind of thought, you know what, maybe I don't need to go on that cruise or go around the world. I can have a big adventure closer to home. Yeah, we're thinking about going to see the Grand Tetons. Yeah, see, I mean, I I think that like, we sometimes forget, you know, one of the great things about America is we have this huge country with incredible natural wonders in it. And it's when it's your own backyard, sometimes you forget that it's there, you know, I mean, come on, you could get in a car, you get in, I mean, you look at RV sales are going through the roof, you could get in a vehicle and no matter where you live in the country, there's so much stuff you've never seen. Yeah. yeah. Or so many places you've never gone to. I'm, we're in, I'm in Seattle and I've never done the underground city. I've never, I mean, I went on the top of the space needle, but I was five, you know, I've gone to like, you know, I'll go to Snoqualmie Falls. I'll go to things to go hiking and go different places. You know, if you're ever in Seattle, I highly suggest checking out Brown's Creek. Okay. And uh, Snoqualmie, not Snoqualmie, the Skokomish river. There's, uh, there's, I don't know how to spell it, but I'm there. Yeah. There's a, it's, it has a suspension bridge. It's 420 feet in the air. Oh, cool. suspension bridge though. So you can drive your car across it, but it's a, it's an amazing, it's amazing. All right. It's going on the list. There you go. (laughs) Maybe you can find Bigfoot there. I'll look, I'll do my best. (laughs) How many Bigfoot episodes have you done? Oh, not that many, actually. I mean, I think back on Destination Truth, we did a number of kind of, you know, mystery primate shows. They weren't all big. I mean, here's the weird thing. We've never done. I've never made a Bigfoot show. How about that? Right. I've never gone looking for the North American Bigfoot. We did the, the, the skunk ape on an episode of Destination Truth. We've looked for the yeah, Yowie yeah. in Australia, the Yeren in China. On that show, we probably made five or six episodes. And then on Expedition Unknown, we did a four-part special a couple of years ago on the Yeti. And right. that was really our Bigfoot show, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was as much about looking for the Yeti as it was really about exploring the Himalayas and the culture of the Yeti that yeah. exists there. So, yeah, it's weird when I think back on it, I've actually, it's like a good trick question. I've never made a Bigfoot show. (laughs) Is he real? Is Yeti real? I want him to be real. I want him to be real. I'm in the same. You know, I am, the Yeti of all of the mystery cryptids is my favorite creature. I just love the idea of this lone primate living up in the Himalayas and the snowy Himalayas. But, you know, I am also a realist. I mean, I, I hate, I don't want to throw water on the fire, but I just think, there is not a lot of evidence to suggest that these huge hulking bipedal primates are real. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of ways to argue it, but look, there's no physical evidence. Like where are the skeletal remains? Where are the droppings? Where is the DNA? These are important questions, right? So (laughs) I would, I certainly don't think that there, that we know everything that's in the world. There are obviously countless undiscovered species still out there in the world. Yeah. But I'm not sure if, like, Harry and the Hendersons is going to wander out, you know, from <laughs> behind a Home Depot up in Oregon. I don't know if it is. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could say that I did. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you – so I imagine as you were growing up, you probably had a lot of interest in Jacques Cousteau and other TV explorers that came before you. And kind, kind of. I mean, I love Jacques Cousteau now. Kind yeah. of. I, you know, I, I was not like glued to like Jack Hanna and and that stuff. Is I was more of a movie and TV kid. Indiana oh, yeah. Jones. You know, that was my. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Indiana Jones, so Tafine 
wanted me to tell you she watched you on did the dodgeball. Oh well, yeah. She wants you to get your Tesla. She's waiting. By and the way, I just want to say I'm not trying, Tesla, to, I'm not trying to stoke. To I'm not trying to stoke something here. Nothing from Dobrik. Not a tweet. Yeah. Not a message. Just an bl information blackout from that, that guy. That message needs to get out there because you deserve a Tesla. Yeah, I was Damn. promised a car. You heard it. And a movie night with him. And he's given me neither. <laughs> and she said that you reminisced her of Indiana Jones going through the course. So, Well, that's a huge compliment. And yeah. she should have her vision checked. But I appreciate the <laughs> compliment. But when you watch... Some of these guys on TV that are doing similar things to you do that you do. Is there has there been anybody on TV that you're like, wow, I really love what they're doing? And two, I wanted to do, I wanted to go there. I, I wish we would have thought of mm. searching for that. A little bit. I always had a little bit of a professional jealousy of Anthony Bourdain, uh, who yeah. was one of the greats. You know, mostly as a writer, I, I was. You know, Bourdain was gifted at many things, but he was a hell of a writer. Yeah, And sometimes I write a lot of <clears throat> the copy on my shows and Bourdain had this very special platform over at CNN that is something that most people never get, which is he had a blank slate, right? He could make a show over there. I get the feeling, I don't know really the ins and outs of it, but I get the feeling that he could kind of do what he wanted over there, right. you know? Uh, and so he was able to write a lot of kind of lyrical, beautiful stuff for that show because the show didn't really have like it was just a meditation usually on the place that he went. Yep. So there were times when I would watch that show and I would think, ah, oh, what an amazing turn of phrase, or oh, I wish I could have gone to that place and just chilled the way he did and not had been on a mission, you know, which is, is the part of what most of us have to do is we're yeah. kind of for purpose. Right. So, but I have to say I, I'm kind of, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like the industry side of making any kind of TV or film is so hard. It's yeah. so competitive. It's so difficult that anyone who pulls it off kind of has my respect. You right. know what I mean? Like anyone who's able to get on TV, tell stories about the natural world, try to get people engaged and excited about travel and exploration, you know, they have my respect. I mean, I think that people sometimes don't People sometimes underestimate how hard it is to make this kind of content, you know, because it comes with this, what appears to be this really glamorous traveling lifestyle. It seems like it's a dream. It's tough, right? So, and I mean, mostly that it's tough to just get someone to buy it and put it on TV. That part is really hard. So yep. no, I have respect for, I mean, here's the weird thing. There aren't that many people in this space, right? You know, I mean, you could, I don't think you could fill up two hands. I bear grills and Les Stroud for a long time, you know, Jeff Corwin. I mean, there aren't that many guys who kind of do this stuff. And most of them have a very specific thing. Like Bear Grylls is a real survivalist. I'm not a survivalist. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like Jeff Corwin is a real naturalist, you right. know? So no, I, I have nothing but admiration for those guys. I love all of them. I love watching how other people make these kind of shows because yeah. you find inspiration in it. Right. I love that you have a positive attitude about everything. That's I try to do that throughout my whole life. I try to be an optimist as much as possible. And I love seeing people succeed. So it's always fun to, to meet somebody that with a similar thing. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, speaking of Anthony Bourdain, my favorite episode of his is when he went to North Northern Spain. Mm. And he did all the different seafoods in that area. And he went to yeah. this tiny little, just a little shop. And it says this, he was like, this is the place that has the best seafood. And they just start opening cans 
you know what I mean? Of seafood. And I'm just like, wait, that's in cans. And, and but the way they can it and the how long yeah. it's in the can makes all this difference. And it was just like, I want to go to Northern Spain now. That's yeah, what I, do. I want to eat the seafood. Well, he was great at kind of taking you to a place and really making you see it through his eyes, you know? And I yeah. think that was, you know, one of the hardest things in television period, I think, is to be not just authentic, but to actually have your personality come through. Yeah. Because it's real easy to, because TV is so reductive, it's like it's this thing you have to make and it's really quick and you have to jam this whole trip into 43 minutes. And, right, right. You know, it's Super easy to just down kind of, yeah, it's easy to get lost in it. And so, you know, Bourdain was a guy who he, he always shined through. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the voiceover helps. Mm-hmm. Like having you narrate the show and go through everything, your excitement translates really well to our excitement. You know what I mean? Because like when I watch your show, especially Expedition Unknown, it's like I feel like I'm there a lot of times. Going, oh, that's nice to hear. Thank right, you. Right, I appreciate your that. excitement really comes through. And man, when you're when you've done when you're doing these shows, has anything happened on there that you just can't put on TV? I know you get you edit for time, you edit for content, but things that don't make it on the show. Yeah. You know, sometimes there are things that you know, they don't make for good TV. Sometimes, you know, there's heartbreakers. There's things that happen that are great and you just don't have the time for it, you know? And then, yeah, there's, I mean, I'm sure there's things also that like you don't want in the show, you know, Uh, moments that are really, you know, I mean, look, for me, I I think one of the great mistakes that people make, like, I'm, I mean, I'm giving away a trade secret here, but, (laughs) you know, I've been doing this a long time and I'm amazed that, I haven't been largely replaced by somebody, you right. know, like there isn't really a guy in my rearview mirror who I'm like, oh, this is the dude who's going to put me in retirement, you know? Right, right. I think that one of the reasons for that is that a lot of production companies and a lot of networks, I think they want to edit out in shows that are adventure based. They want to edit out all the warts and all the smudges and make it look really heroic. Yeah. And I think that's a huge mistake, you know? So like when we take a trip, there are plenty of moments where I am struggling, where I am bested by something, where I do something terribly, where I eat something that is really tough for me to eat, where my car breaks down, whatever it is. And it's so important to me that's represented in the show. Yeah. Because that's real. That's travel. Anyone who's ever taken a trip anywhere knows that on the balance, the trip, a trip is great, but it's hard. Like the kids are screaming. They didn't have a reservation. This happened. What, you know, the, whatever, like travel is not all smooth sailing. You know, you are often a stranger in a strange land and you don't know what's going on and it's confusing. And, and so I, I try to leave a lot of that in the show. Probably not all of it. I don't want to look incompetent. So I try to protect my, I probably try to protect myself a little. So there's some of that stuff. There's probably me failing for 300 tries at some, you know, trying to shoot a bow and arrow and we right. cut it down to me failing twice. But but we want to make sure you get a sense that it's a real person out there who's not some, like, I am not some action figure, right? I mean, clearly, look at me. But like, you know, I think that's part of why we try to make you feel like you're there because yeah. we want it to feel real. So yes, there's things that we leave out of the show, long answer to your question, but no, um, we try to leave a lot in. You know, we try to leave in a lot of the stuff that's the, a lot of the goofs and mistakes and challenges. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw you on Josh Gates tonight during Shark Week. 
which people can check out on Wednesdays, Josh Gates tonight, check it out. <laughs> and uh, you were driving this vehicle that's on the water, but then can mm-hmm. dive in and go. And you look like you were having so much fun. That was yeah. a comp that okay, so there was some clever editing there. That thing's called a sea breacher. It yeah. was so much fun. It's like a mechanical shark dolphin device. It looks like something out of a early James Bond film. It does. But, um, but it's also, I have to say, it was also really hard to learn how to control it. There's and a lot going I, on in there. I felt like I needed a couple more days to really get good at it. But it's like it's not like, oh, I'm in a car, I know how to drive this thing. It had like Foot pedals that it was like a plane, right? You had yeah. more axes of control than you have in a car. You up and down. To yeah, he's all talking about pitch and everything. It was like yeah, what? pitch and yaw and all that stuff. So it it was frustrating to drive because when you mess it up, you kind of like flip or you're upside down or so it was hard. But once you kind of got the hang of it, that thing is so fun. Yeah, I mean, super powerful. You know, that thing can go like I forget what it was. It was like sixty miles an 60 hour. Sixty miles an hour in the water. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the thing is amazing. It's a crazy toy. What was it like when you breach out, though? Because you guys jump. Like, it looked like you guys went like 12, 13 feet. You don't know what's going on. It's like you're in it, and there's just, you can't see out the thing. There's sea spray everywhere, and you're just like, please don't let me land on the sidewalk. <laughs> please still be in the bay. It looked like you guys in like a small bay, too. I kept thinking, I was like, man, how do you keep anybody else away well, that's the sketchy not. thing. Like when you go underwater in it, you see, you, yeah, you like well, you, all you see is like just water and nothingness. But yeah. like you got to make sure when you dive, there isn't like a boat on a trajectory course with you. Otherwise, it turns into like twenty thousand leagues, and you're like piercing <laughs> the hull of a boat. Hey, Tufts University, you got your degree in archaeology, and is it a minor in drama? Uh, it's a double major. It's a double major. And so hey, please don't, I, I worked hard for that double. I, yeah, I love it. Double major. Double major. Hey, let's drama do up, yeah. Tufts University. You got Go a major in archaeology and drama. Yep. <laughs> what was your parents' reaction when you said, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna study archaeology and drama? My parents are the best. They they were so supportive of me growing up, they didn't know what to make of any of it. I mean, yeah. my mom would have been happy to have me do anything. Right. I'm an only child, mama's boy, mom loved me. If I wanted to join the circus, she would have been cool with that. <laughs> my dad, like a lot of dads was like practically minded, right? So he was always right. like, you should go into my, it's so funny because the things that my dad kind of told me would be good career options would have been great career options. He said, yeah. my dad worked overseas a lot. He was a commercial diver, deep sea diver. Oh, cool. He never tried to talk me into that because he knew how dangerous that field was and still is. Yeah. Um, but he was always like, you know what you should do, Josh? You should go for the diplomatic corps, you know, because being a diplomat and working in the diplomatic corps, it's a great life. You get to see the world. Really exciting. He's totally right. Like in yeah. another universe, I would love to have done that. Or he or then, you know, when I started going into acting and stuff, he, he brought it down. He was like hotel management. You know, maybe hotel management would be a good, uh, but he was great, still a great career. And I actually would love to own a hotel. I'd love to own like a boutique place somewhere in the world, but like they just hung with me. They didn't know what I was going to do. I think it looked for a minute, like I was going to really make a go for underwater archeology. span That was my plan was to leave Tufts and go into a master's and a PhD program in marine archeology. span It just didn't happen. And now they 
I mean, they can't even believe that I've somehow combined these two degrees. I can't even believe it. It is yeah. a stroke of complete and utter luck. And so they're now they're very, you know, my mom's like my publicist. She hands out photos of me to people who don't even want it. You know, they ask everybody in every <laughs> store if they done. watch my show. It's so embarrassing. I can't. And it's literally, you know, when you're like 14 and you're like, mom, like it's, I'm still like Are that. Man's too big. Like, you come on, I'm with my friends. Like, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> like, I'm still doing that because my everywhere we go, my mother goes, do you watch the Discovery Channel? And it's like, mom, we don't need, it's like the woman working in the toll booth, we, like, there are people behind us. Do we need to have a conversation about the tune-in info for the show with this oh, lady? That's like, hilarious. Not, but, you know, she's doing the Lord's work out there. She's trying yeah. to get folks to tune in. So God oh, bless I her. I love it. I love it. See, my mom doesn't watch this or listen to our podcast because, you know, we swear too much. I understand that. Yeah. I have a little bit of a potty mouth on my show too. And I know that parents, I many parents, I try I, not to. It might gets turned on and off. Cause I can, I definitely can talk like a sailor at any given moment. And mine gets turned on and off by the guest. If they swear, then I'll tend to start swearing. Yeah. If they don't mine gets swear, turned on and off by alcohol. Yeah. Well that too. Hey, you know what? You know, what's fun made me laugh is on your, on Josh Gates tonight. Do you do a drink all the time or just once in a while? This is a whole thing. We do a drink every single week. We do a specialty yeah. cocktail. We started it because it was like the pandemic and it was a gag. It was like, I'm home and I'm drinking. What else do yeah. I have to do? Now it's become this like codified bit that we have to do every week. It's really weird. I think that if you didn't know me and you just watched Expedition Unknown and Destination Truth and Josh Gates tonight, you would fairly think that I was like a drunk. <laughs> like I don't actually drink that much. Like right. I really don't. <laughs> but it seems like I'm constantly drinking or talking about drinking. It's a weird, it's like, it was not intentional, but yes, yeah, so we make a drink every week on the show. They're not always alcoholic, but they almost always are. Yeah. And, um, and I have to make the drink like five times to get the coverage of it. The slow motion right, shots, right, the different angles. Right. So by the end of the drink segment, I, that's the end of the day for me. Usually I I'm spent. Oh God. It's so funny because my co-host, his name is Johnny. He wasn't able to make it today, but we do a YouTube show called drinks and comics oh good yeah where we highlight a drink that we make it's always alcoholic uh-huh you know and then we pick a comic book because we're comic book nerds from way back and then we'll discuss and we don't limit to comic books we'll do movies and do whatever you know what i mean and right. then we'll have the drink and discuss whatever the uh topic at hand is i i love this idea that sounds like a fun night to me yeah we have a very low budget <laughs> So you need alcohol and a comic book. Yeah, it's very public access. It's awesome. You know, like all the best things. What's your top three places you think everybody should be going to? Tough question because I really do think there is no one size fits all for travel. Like, well, how about for you? So, okay, if it's just like a kind of median answer of like someone who doesn't have like crippling anxiety or you know, I mean, (laughs) like, like, like I don't know these people, but like I think if you live in America and you want to travel. I think that you should go to the Yucatan Peninsula is a biggie for me because it's close. It's easy. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we're talking now like in the before times or the post times, we're not talking about right this second maybe, but I love the Yucatan. I love the Maya. I just think I have a big thing for Maya civilization. You know, you can fly to Cancun fairly cheaply year round, right? Cause it's yep. such a big spring break destination. So easy to get to most places you can fly there direct to Cancun and you go there, you rent a car, and you don't go to Cancun. That's my advice. And you drive inland. 
into the Yucatan. And that whole peninsula there from Cancun all the way over to Merida, which is this beautiful colonial city on the western side of the Yucatan, is just filled with the most jaw-dropping, gorgeous ruins and temples and cities. Chichen Itza, everybody knows, one of the great um, wonders of the of the world. But there are you know dozens, if not hundreds, actually, of, of archaeological sites scattered throughout the Yucatan. I love that trip. I think people are like, overly intimidated in America by getting a car in Mexico and driving, it's really not that big a whoop, you know? Cenotes, which are these flooded caverns that are all over, like like the whole Yucatan is like Swiss cheese. So the the, underneath it all, these limestone caverns, and there are these swimming holes that are like every Instagram swimming hole you've seen, you know, these vine-drenched kind of caverns filled with crystal water, that's all there, you know? So if, if you're a scuba diver, it's a dream, but just to be able to explore and there's some beautiful resorts there and colonial towns and, you know, cenotes. I don't know. I love the Yucatan. So that's one uh, because it's not Timbuktu. You know, people right. say to me like, I want to have an adventure, but you have to go to the other side of the world. I'm like, no, you don't go to Cancun, get a Jeep, drive an hour and go to Koba, which is like a, a, a Maya ruin, which you, you would think you're in Tomb Raider. You would think you're in Indiana Jones. Oh, right? awesome. um, and we're probably, you're probably sitting you know, between a plane ride and this and that, five, six hours away from that place. So I would say France or Italy. I love Italy. I mean, I think if you want a place that's like unbelievable history, understand some of your own roots of, you know, the ancient world and unbelievable food, incredible people, you know, I think you have to go to Italy once in your life. Yeah. Um, Just to put on 10 pounds, you know? That's easy for me. (laughs) I mean, the food just off the charts, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then my number one, and again, it's personal because everybody has their own thing for sure. me is Southeast Asia. I love Southeast Asia. I'm an equal opportunity, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, I, you know, Laos, I, that part of the world for me is magic. I just think the people are so incredible, so special, so hospitable. The food is awesome and, yeah. and it's exotic to us, right? It is a culture that we, it's so different than our culture that it is a great kind of shock to the system to be like, wow, there's a whole world out here that is so different than my world, you know? So I, I love Southeast Asia. I, I always try to point people in that part of the world. Did you ever think of doing like a Josh Gates travel guide? I thought a lot about that. You know, it, part of my biggest problem is time. You know, yeah. I'm so busy usually with, with Expedition Unknown that most of my bandwidth goes to that. I mean, I would love to do travel guides. It's also kind of an awful time to do travel guides because it's right. like- Well, right now it is, that's for sure. <laughs> but also just like the publishing world and the it's like, it's all kind of going digital. But yeah, yeah, some sort of digital guide I would love to do. I'd love to do tours. I'd love to do, I'd love to take people places. I, you know, awesome. this, I'd love to write more. There's so much I want to do, but but that's the, the big enemy in my life is time just because the travel is so all encompassing. Yeah, I just I just thought of a place that you need to go when you if you're when you're in Washington State and or Oregon, <clears throat> have you gone to Mount St. Helens? I've seen Mount St. Helens from afar, but never really gone there. Close to it. So there's an amazing thing called the Ape Caves. Ape Caves? Yep. And it was discovered in the 1920s by so That's where Bigfoot lives? Yeah, yes. It's totally no, but it was a it was it's just a hiking club and they call themselves the uh Ape they called it, it was the name of the thing was like the ape hikers or ape something. I can't okay. remember exactly. Um, but this guy owned this property and he was like working on it and he almost drew, drove his machine into this cavern hmm. and it's these natural lava tubes that are awesome. still there. And they're amazing. Right. They're, they are, 
<clears throat> I mean, everybody who lives in Washington at some point goes to the ape caves and, and goes exploring inside there, but they go like, there's like two separate paths and one goes miles back and one goes about, then there's an easy one that you take your little kids on that goes right. about half a mile. Okay. Ape caves on the list. Yeah. You guys should check it out. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm just saying, Josh, what else is going on with you, man? You got, you just signed, you let me know if we can talk about this or not, but you just signed like a three-year contract is my understanding with discovery. You're executive producer on Expedition Unknown. I imagine you're the executive producer on Josh Gates tonight. I'm the only uh, producer on Josh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me and the masks. Talking, editing, producing. It's all, all of it. All of it. That's the next show. It's all Josh. Hey, yeah. uh, what can we expect out of your shows? And do you have anything in the uh, pipeline that you could talk about? Or maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, for the immediate future, a lot more Josh Gates tonight. As we've said, it's, it's every Wednesday night. I mean, the show is a lot of fun. Like, I'm a pop culture nerd. So, like, We've had on Karen Allen from Raiders. You know, we, we've had on uh, yeah, oh, John Terry, Corbett and Bo and Derek. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Terry Gilliam from Monty Python. I mean, people that I just can't even believe that I get a chance to talk to. So we have a lot of fun. We we yeah. we make a drink. We we talk to some folks. We typically do some silly bit out in the world. It's it's a great kind of end of day fun talk show, and we do viewer questions and all sorts of stuff. So for the immediate future, I'll be doing that. I hope that, you know, sooner than later, I'm back out in the field making Expedition Unknown. Yeah, I'm going to be at Discovery now for a while, which is really awesome. It's a yeah, great it's awesome. home. And I, I'm eager to go out and, and make more shows. I think that realistically, though, it might be, you know, I think it might be next year. I mean, I, I think that we're still at a in a position where, I mean, I could go out and domestically make a few episodes of Expedition Unknown, but the kind of travel that we do on the show is still really hard to do. I mean, heck, we can't even go to a lot of places as Americans right now. So um, I need that board to clear a little bit so that, you know, I can touch down without being thrown into a brig somewhere. And, and once that happens, I think uh, we'll be back out in the world having new adventures. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Be awesome. Hey, I think my, one of my, one of the things I've always wanted to do is a little bit more traveling. And when you go out and travel, how important is the food for you? Because I'm a big foodie. I love to eat. You know what yeah. I mean? I try to, to keep my carb intake down. I'm a bigger guy, just like yourself. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? That's tough. And, the carbs are the good stuff. Bread. Yeah, carbs are the good stuff. And the amount that I eat is, that's the biggest problem. Like going back for seconds. I know. Not my my wife will say to me, just, you just eat until you're full. And I go, you don't understand. There is, it's a bottomless pit. Yeah. There's no yeah. full is like, uh, it's painful. You know what I mean? So, uh, food's super important to me. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a high end food guy. Like I'm happy to go to a great restaurant and, yeah. and do fine dining, but I find a lot of that type of food and cuisine, not intimidating, but kind of, I just don't find it that fun. I yeah. find it too formal and too quiet. And like, yeah. I, I don't like those kind of places. I love street meat. I love just going out and eating, you know, like here, you know, getting a hot dog, a, a taco. I mean, I just love kind of like salt of the earth kind of places. Yeah. You know? If you're in the Yucatan, what are you eating? You know, I mean, you're eating Mexican food. You're eating a lot of it. I mean, look, you know, people talk a lot about getting sick from food and it's a real thing. I've been, I've probably been more sick than anybody, you know, from food. I mean, that's an <laughs> occupational hazard for me. Right. But like the places that everybody says, India, Mexico, you know, is it real? Yeah. Like the water in parts of India, you know, you don't want to drink out of the tap. That's for sure. You know, right. but 
I have to say, I also think there's a little too much fear mongering about food. You know, you gotta use some common sense when you eat anywhere in the world. I'm a big, especially if you're like in a developing nation or if you're in a back road kind of place, you know, you gotta, I, I, this sounds crazy. I, I pop my head in the kitchen a lot, you know, especially a lot of these places are like open air stands on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. You kind of look in there, like what's going on, you know? Yeah. Is it clean? Does it look like they they got their act together, or are there fifty cats up on the <laughs> up on the counters? That because ha- that happens. You look in there, and you, if if you look in the kitchen and it's a nightmare, yeah. then that's the quality of the food that's coming out, right? Right. But if you go anywhere in the world, if you're like in on the streets of Southeast Asia and there's a bunch of food stalls and stuff, and there's a big line in front of one of them full of locals, right. that's where you want to eat. That's where you want to go. Busy places, high turnover. I mean, picture wherever you live right now. You're not going to go eat at a, a bad restaurants are empty. Yeah. Busy restaurants are hard to get into. The same thing's true with a food stall. You know, like you walk down the street in India, you find a place that's hopping and that's busy. That food's going to be fine. It's going to be safe. It's so gonna be good. And it's going to be really good. And food is everything. I think food is like, it really is the way into a culture. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't look, I don't think you have to be, a, a challenge eater. I mean, you don't have to get stuff that's way outside your comfort zone. I think you should yeah. try everything once, but, yeah. but, but man, I don't know. Like people, like whenever I say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to India, this or that they go, Oh, did you get sick? Or how was the food? And I go, how was the food? The best food I've ever had in my life. You know, <laughs> I you love Indian food <laughs> into any restaurant in India. And the food is so varied by region there, but like right. the food you'll, you'll eat at any place in India and be like, I've never had Indian food before. I didn't realize how good this could be, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I mean, you got to just, you don't want to stop off at the roadside stand with flies on everything where nobody's pulled up in three hours. <laughs> Stay away from the fly infested roadside stand is, is yeah. good advice. <laughs> flies. Watch out for flies. <laughs> well, Josh, I think we were coming near the end. I know you're a busy man and you got to get working on your shows. And I appreciate you taking your time out of the, today and, and just stopping by and hanging out. This is amazing. It was a great chat. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun and I hope we're all back out in the world again soon having uh, real adventures. Yeah, me too. Me too. I hope that we convinced you to have enough fun or you had enough fun that we can convince you to come back sometime. Anytime. It's just me and the masks hanging out here. So, you know, it gets lonely. Well, thank you so much. Hey, it was a real pleasure. All the best, guys. We should probably do the outro of this episode and then talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Edit that out. And we're back. All that out. <laughs> had we'll a little side combo. <laughs> yeah, have a little side combo there. But, and then forget what we're doing. You're right. Right. We what did you think of listening to Josh thought, Gates, dude? Dude, he was, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who he was. Oh, my God. I was so I was excited. Like, when he yeah, said like, Josh Gates was coming on, I was like, who's this guy? Yeah. But yeah, no, I was I like, have, oh my God. I have since looked him up. I've watched some videos with him in it and uh, yeah, it's freaking cool, man. He's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, I don't know. He's, he's a huge guy. He's big. He's not a small man. You're right. And so it's funny when you watch him do all this stuff because um, you can just imagine how uncomfortable he is and some of the tight spaces <laughs> he has to get into. Right. And then just, you know, he just goes to a lot of cool places. He's, this is a weird comparison, but it's not actually. He is a modern day Jacques Cousteau to me. 
Right, right. Going to all over the world, showing you different things, Jacques being the ocean, but Josh goes everywhere, you know? And I think he does amazing stuff. And I think Discovery Channel is super smart getting him into a three-year contract and giving him executive producer on stuff. And, you know, we're going to see some amazing stuff. And if you haven't sat and watched Josh Gates tonight, that airs every Wednesday, you should, because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. A lot. I, I watched a little bit of that, and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and, he's just got great guests all the time, and so it's it's a fun thing with the COVID thing going on, and so he's able to go into the studio by himself and have a, a well a skeleton crew and yeah, and do everything over Zoom, and it's cool. It's that's super cool. So go check it out because it's it's nice. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go, man. Yeah, there you go. That's a show. That is a show, and with that being a show, there's only one last thing to do actually before we get into the last <laughs> thing, there's one more thing <laughs> there's one more thing before the last thing and that is if you enjoyed what you just watched i implore you i urge you to go to spoiler country no go to spoilerverse.com i you implore go. you to go to spoilerverse.com and check out our back issues uh, not only will you find josh gates episode like you just listened to here there but you'll find things like uh Chad Stalhesky, the the director of all three John Wicks. Yep. Robert Wool. Yep. We just got done tonight interviewing Tommy Chong. Hello. Uh, oh my god, man! It was so much, so much fun. I, uh, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, you want to hear things like that? Go to spoilerverse.com and check out our back issues. I guarantee you're going to find somebody you want to hear. I dare you to go there and find something you don't want to hear. <laughs> well, you'll find that too. But <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> find nobody you want to hear i dare you to go there and find say (laughs) try try to find some like go through all the episodes you know what it's like the beatles right people can say they don't like the beatles but there's no way in hell is that there's not at least one to two songs that you like from the beatles exactly there's there's such a wide variety of songs they put out exactly and that's what spoiler verse is that's right and why are there a podcast and why are there (laughs) You'll read articles and previews and reviews and all the fun stuff. We got articles dropping daily from our crew up there. I mean, it's like four or five articles coming out per day. So there's definitely yep. something there for you. And while you're there, also click on the store link, go to our store, pick up a t-shirt, hoodie, something, look fly as hell, and help support help support the site and everything that we do here. There you go. All right, guys, we're out. We're out. Yeah. Yep. We're out. Better oceans of podcast. We are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read. Boom.